Welcome back to Let's Talk Employment Law. This is a video podcast brought to you by the Lane Neve Employment Law Team. In this podcast, we will be discussing the latest in New Zealand employment law and what you need to know to manage your greatest resource in your business, that is, your people. We also wish to note that this podcast is simply general advice and it is not intended to be a comprehensive statement of the law. We therefore recommend that you do not solely rely on this information without first seeking detailed advice. My name is Elise Wilson and I am a solicitor in the employment law team and I'm joined by Fiona McMillan who leads the employment team as partner in the Auckland office. Today we're going to be having a closer look at the part, the part of the restructuring process which is the selection criteria and having a chat about how this is applied and also what should be considered when formulating this criteria. So a selection criteria is when you have uh, one role that is one, one position uh, which is redundant and you must select between employees for who is going to get this remaining position. So it can be quite a confusing process and we will see what Fiona has to say around applying this and some uh, practical thoughts about how it is administered. Thanks Elise and I, I think you have um, kicked it off properly in the sense that you've been using the right terminology because this is a selection process. Um, and what people often talk about is people, you, you might be at a dinner party and say, and hear someone say, oh look, my poor sister has to, has to apply for, for her job again. Uh, that's not 100% correct from, a, from an employment law perspective. Um, what uh, that sister would be going through is she would actually be going through a, a selection process. Um, so I don't want to repeat too much of what we talked about in our, in our last podcast around restructuring, um, but I think it is important for us to be clear where this fits within the process. So once you have put together a proposal uh, to your employees about what you're looking at doing, you will then hear your, uh, their feedback and then you will make a decision uh, about uh, that proposal. Now, if the decision is uh, to decrease the number of housekeepers you've got from 10 to 5, at that stage you can't go, right, you five, you've got your jobs, uh, sorry, you other five, you are, you are made redundant. You've actually got to go through a, a selection process. Now, before I talk through what that actually looks like, um, the first step is that uh, employees are actually entitled to, to provide feedback on the selection criteria that, that you're looking at, at applying. And we're going to talk a little bit later on about, about what selection criteria could look like. But where that fits in the process, you can do it in one of two ways. You can ask for their feedback when you're getting uh, feedback on the whole proposal. So in that first proposal, you might say, hey, look, we're looking at going from 10 to, to 5 housekeepers, uh, and this is the feedback we're looking at applying. Or alternatively, in your first proposal, you could say, we're looking at going from 10 to 5, what's your view? Get their feedback on that, and once you've made the decision, you could then ask for their feedback on the draft selection criteria. So either or is fine, but what I will say is getting feedback on the whole lot at, at the beginning can, can make things quicker for you. 
So once you have decided on what the selection criteria is, is going to be, uh, as an employer, you're then obligated to, to apply that selection criteria. And what we often see is a scoring system. Uh, so each criteria might be out of five or, or, or out of 10. The other thing to, to keep in mind here is that each criteria doesn't have to have the same weighting. Some things may be more important to you, so you might have certain criteria that are, that are out of 10, uh, other criteria that are, that are out of 5, etc. Once you've applied that criteria, people then can get the opportunity to, to provide feedback on their, on their own scores. Uh, often they might say at that point that's fine, uh, or alternatively they might give you their view on, on what should, should go up. Uh, it's pretty rare for people to say that uh, certain scores uh, should go down, but look, you never know. The question we get is, can do people uh, have to see other people's scores? The starting point is, is no. Uh, for, for privacy reasons, but what you might do is you might redact other people's names, their details, and let uh, someone see another person's scores. Um, but I accept that that probably has limited use. Once you've received all of that feedback on the way you've applied that selection criteria, uh, you can then uh, finalise that. And essentially then, the, the five housekeepers with the top scores, uh, they get to retain their roles. And those five with the lowest scores, uh, it is at that point that they will be made redundant unless there are any other redeployment opportunities. Yeah, thanks for providing that overview, Fiona. And I think it's also good to uh, just take a moment to also discuss what types of criteria you should be assessing people on for this process. So when formulating the criteria, it is important uh, to ensure as far as possible that the criteria is based on transparent and objective scores that are awarded on the basis of verifiable data, rather than relying on subjective opinions of people, which uh, when questioned or when needing to justify, are a lot harder to do so. So there is uh, quite an art to formulating your selection criteria, and it's also really important um, in this process to make sure that you're avoiding things like discrimination, bias or favouritism in the process, isn't it Fiona? Yeah, look, I 100% I agree and I, I would have to say that probably drafting your selection criteria can, can be one of the trickier steps in this process. Um, and I guess as well the type of criteria you use is, is quite role dependent, but the types of things we see are length of service, um, experience in, in the industry, uh, qualifications, uh, whether or not someone has had any disciplinary issues in the past. Uh, you might look to their previous performance reviews. Um, those, those are the types of probably um, objective things we see. As Elise just said, uh, when you start bringing in subjective things that can make things a little bit harder. Um, 
What we see some employers do is make an interview one of the criteria. So an interview can't be the sole criteria. And this comes back to my point about people talking about them having to apply for their, for their roles again or they having to interview for their jobs. That's not 100% correct. But you can have an interview as, as one of your criteria. Um, but as Elise said, you're creeping into the subjective then and, and that can make things a little bit difficult. The last criteria I, I want to touch on, and, and this is an extension of what Elise was talking about in relation to, to discrimination or, or bias, um, and that is the issue of whether or not immigration status can be a selection criteria. And this is one area where immigration law and employment law actually don't, don't match overly well. Um, so from an immigration perspective, uh, employers are expected to, to hire New Zealanders first uh, where they can. Uh, but at the same time, you can't have immigration status as a criteria uh, from a selection perspective because arguably that creeps into what Elise was talking about, whether it be discrimination or, or bias. What we're starting to see is a little bit of a middle ground is a criteria might be um, an employee's ability to work for the business long term. Now, I'm not going to lie, that's not 100% perfect either, because arguably um, an employee who's pregnant might say, well, look, hang on, am I being discriminated against because I'm about to take a period of leave? So the starting point is, it is my preference that immigration status uh, isn't a criteria, or length of, oh, sorry, ability to work for the company long term isn't a criteria. But I accept that there will be occasions where something like that would, would be, um, would be beneficial. But as Elise said, I think the more we can keep away from the subjective, the more we can keep away from potential issues of discrimination or, or bias, the, the better. Mm. Great, thank you so much for those comments there, Fee. And thank you everyone for joining us today. We hope that you found this, this useful and we look forward to having you tune into our next episode where we will be looking at employment agreements and giving a basic overview of what you need to know and the do's and the don'ts here.